All right. Welcome. Welcome to Know Your Roles, the entertainment, sports, and culture podcast where we sit down with a special guest and make unexpected connections across all your favorite mixed media. We talk pasta and pop stars. We talk dancers to seafood dishes, directors to mythical creatures, and more wacky combinations. I'm one of your hosts, Dave Kleiman, and this is my co-host, Mr. George Payton List, Gordon III. Take it away, George. I got the Peyton List this time, Ella. Which Peyton List are we talking about? The the actress from uh, Cobra Kai or a different Peyton List? The actress from Cobra Kai. No, even better. Yes, shout out to Peyton List. Anyway. Uh, I didn't even know who she was, but then I looked up her credits and I was like, oh, George is going to know her, Cobra Kai. Yeah, I, I knew that as a part of the script. There's a lot of Peytons that are like just Instagram stars. They're out there. Or like TikTok stars. And uh, I've tried to, I've tried to refrain from using a lot of those. But uh, <laughs> anyway. Thank you, Dave. So, Dave, this week we've got comedian, filmmaker, awesome hang, my old pal, Jessica Watkins, and she's got a movie that just came out called Specialish. And today we're going to be talking about pizza toppings and country music artists. But before we get into that, Dave, how are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. You know, I've seen, uh, since our last podcast, I've seen a couple of movies in like the theater, and I've now seen more movies than i've gone out to eat <laughs> i it's only four it's not that many it's not that many but uh yeah so a lot of people are like oh i'm not ready for movies and i'm like well i'm going to them but i'm not going out to eat uh <laughs> I, I prefer going out to movies for sure over going out to eat. yeah and you know what's funny is that like you know everything is almost every movie that i've went to like that we've went to is uh ticketed you know in like uh sign seating and and whatnot and I just want to give like a really quick disclaimer to like anyone who may be listening. Like if you like if you if you're going to a movie and you pick your seats and like you show up and either you made a mistake or like something is and there's somebody sitting like in the same row that you have tickets in, but it's like an empty theater, uh, sit somewhere else. <laughs> please sit somewhere else because i'll take i'll take uh just the other day there's like four people in the theater and this guy like sits down in our row and i'm like and it's a huge theater i'm like what the fuck are you doing i mean there was still like many many seats in between us it was fine i wasn't i like if i if he sat right next to us i would have just been like we're gonna move but it's like it's an entire theater it was an entire theater just pick another row please but uh, anyway, all right, George, how are you doing? What have you been up to? I'm good. It's like I got to bartend for the first time in a year and a half uh, the other day. And uh, I just want to shout out to, 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 to all these people on bad dates. I forgot, <laughs> I forgot what it was like to listen to y'all. So shout out to anybody on a bad date. You could do better than that person. <laughs> uh, that's, that's great. Just to clarify, you mean you bartending like, well, people were sitting at your bar and you were behind a bar. Yeah. Well, but it's like, it's like bartending yeah. while people sitting yeah. at the bar. I was like, it's like, I, I, I'm so sorry that you have to listen to that. No, it was like, you could do better. Don't settle. <laughs> yeah. As, as a person who has been doing that for like the last couple of months, uh, bartending, uh, with people at the bar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I definitely remember what it's like to, to listen to everyone's conversation. Uh, to yeah, have I was to. like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. A lot, of hot, lot, of, lot of bad hot takes out there. Dudes. <laughs> Unpopular opinions. Yeah. Actually, also stop talking, men. Once you ask questions. <laughs> uh, wholeheartedly agree with that. 
yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, wow. He's like, wow. This person just has not stopped talking. I'm so sorry. I almost feel like we should make this a social experiment and have <laughs> each of you at some point between now and the next episode, just lean in at some point and whether it's, uh, you know, one person or the other and just say, you could do better. You, you could know? do better. Yep. <laughs> and just see what happens. Right. This, this year has been rough. It's like, you, you don't need yeah. this. Yeah. It's hard out there. <laughs> it is also for bartenders who have to uh, be subjected to it. Uh, but uh, I mean, like, uh, wow, just yeah, some, yeah. It's like a lot, of, a lot of rough hangs out there. So clean it up, fellas. Ask questions. Listen. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? You sound insane. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, after that uh, sage advice from uh, Mr. George Gordon, fellas, clean it up. <laughs> what do you what do you say we open up this bar george absolutely absolutely so on tap this week we've got gotta have a shout out for the small market teams milwaukee and the sixty-five thousand people who are outside game six the new nba champs and Giannis, the greek freak 26 year old making the leap into like the next level of nba stars can't wait to talk about that then we're gonna get into a little kanye west record shout out donda the record that's supposed to be coming out for the past like 10 years of uh, the title of the record named after its mom and finally the amazing the amazing the amazing a plus plus trailer for the new nicholas cage film pig can't wait dave let's get into it so uh, first let's talk about the the nba champs dave i know you watch game six what'd you think well sh- like you said shout out to uh milwaukee we have a new champion uh first i want to ask you are have you been converted into a chris middleton fan no, um, Chris Middleton is the exact same way. <laughs> He's, I feel the exact same way that I do about like, like Chinese food in the hood. It's it, it serves a purpose. I don't think it's great. I'm glad it's open late, but I, I'm not gonna like have all my meals there. But you know, it's like every once in a while, I was like, you know what, that kind of hit the spot. Chris Middleton, the Chris Middleton. The General So's chicken of uh, exactly. He's the uh, behind the behind the glass he's behind the glass Chinese food. So shout out to him because like every once in a while you're like fucking hey man that's pretty goddamn good. Yeah, the three a.m. Uh, yeah, yeah. The only thing open. The one dollar says egg rolls. <laughs> yeah, well, we were talking about this a little bit the other day. I think it's uh, I think it was pretty impressive performance by Milwaukee. I think it's a clear it gives validity to the thought that you don't succeed in like playoff basketball and especially like in all playoff sports until you have kind of gone through it a bunch of times. What that means is a team like the Phoenix Suns, who aside from Chris Paul and like Jay Crowder, the rest of their core is the very first time they've been in the playoffs to go from a team that won like 30 games, just like a couple years ago to being the best team in the league and going all the way to the finals. At some point, you know, the consistency kind of fades away because the the nerves may get to you or whatever it may be. Right. Whereas the Milwaukee, they've kind of been the anointed team for a couple of years now. Giannis has been playing at such a high level that it was more like of a natural progression to the championship. Sure, yeah. It's like it's like I didn't know you have to beat the teams in front of that, that are in front of you. It was kind of a cool little run because in the first round they played the Heat, a team that beat the brains in last year. The second round they play Brooklyn, a team with probably like the most talented roster with, with, with the least talented bench. And who people were picking, even though Milwaukee was like a very solid team. Exactly. And it's like, and they're, they're about four inches away from being like not even playing and the coach being fired. And then the, the last round, they played Atlanta, like probably the most fun team to watch with like the best heel 
on TV. So like uh, leading up to the run is actually kind of fun. They go down 2-0 to Phoenix, and then they just win the next four. And three of those games were kind of all-timers. It's one of the two of the best plays ever in the history of basketball. So yeah, those that block by Giannis. the block is dope. And then that yeah. that uh, that alley oop to close it out. We were watching in the bar. It's like it gets stolen away, and then it throws up the alley oop, and it's like everybody in the bar was like, "Oh, was- yeah." I mean, he had and in game six, he had fifty points, and wait, 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 wait. it's only been done like six times before in the fucking finals. And like everyone who's done it yeah. is like an all timer. Yeah, so it's kind of fun. I saw another list of like accomplishments where now Giannis is the only player other than Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Never heard of him. The goat is uh what he should be called who has a defensive player of the year multiple mvps and a finals mvp and the guy's only 26 so yeah shout out milwaukee bucks they deserve it yeah. uh so, fear the deer as they say absolutely i mean it was like i'm glad they came full circle so so good 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 for milwaukee from one area actually a cool town anyway up next we're gonna be talking about the uh the new kanye album donda which comes out tomorrow so if you listen to this like uh tomorrow the robin would have come out but like the new kind of record comes out tomorrow dave as a sh- fellow chicagoan are we still listening to kanye west records <laughs> that's a very uh funny way to ask me that question um as a, i mean honestly like in in my mind i don't know if other chicagoans feel this way but like he doesn't really represent chicago to me like anymore uh he represents like outer space or like planet kanye uh which which is fine i'll tell you what i really love like i probably will i'm not like oh my god a new kanye record but i'm like new kanye record like i'll check that out just for like you know because it'll be such a a thing in the zeitgeist in the pop culture um but i'll tell you i do love the idea of him like doing this album and working on it for however long and then like thinking to himself what's the last thing i need to do i need to play this for kevin durant <laughs> like mm-hmm. i need to think i need to see what kevin durant thinks of this and if he thinks it's hot it's ready and and like because that's what happened for those uh listeners who don't know he does apparently is is well known that like he does this on most albums is he invites celebrities or like his friends sure, yeah. come and listen to it in private you know and and he invited uh kevin durant which yeah i just imagine being a fly on the wall in that room must have been insane are you uh are you excited about it i'll listen to his records i did, i missed a lot the, the gospel record but the one that that he did in wyoming I listen to that. It was like, his records are like, are short, which is, which is helpful. Cause I don't know if I could do like an hour and a half of that, but uh, the one in Wyoming, there's a couple songs in there. I actually kind of enjoyed the, uh, let me hit it raw. Like fuck the outcome. I always, that, 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 <laughs> that, 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 that line kind of cracks me up, but that's <laughs> something. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, that no, was like, I'll, I'll give it, it was like, I feel like Donda has been like a thing for, for a few years now. So, Anyway, I'm going to give it a go. I'll, I'll give it a go tomorrow. Hotly anticipated. Dave, finally, finally, Mary Best, we want you in here as well. We're going to talk about the Nicolas Cage movie, Pig, which debuts this week. The trailer dropped. It blew my mind. What did you guys think? I'm I'm a big Nick Cage fan. Um, I, I kind of love the idea of this man who sequesters himself from other people and finds meaning in caring for this animal. And uh, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of symbolism, a lot tying into like modern capitalism and um, 
humanitarian crises and like the way that we treat each other. Um, and I love that aspect, but I also love the idea of Nick Cage just being ridiculous because he's wonderful and it's the thing he does best. So let's do it. I'm in. Let's go. I was like, I, I love the fact that it's leaned into is like, oh, he's like, you think I'm manic now? Where do you get a load of this? So, <laughs> yeah, it was one of those moments where I, when I watched the trailer, my thought, my the prevailing thought was, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah. <laughs> um, which is usually like, I will see that movie if that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> but yeah, it looks uh, bonkers, to for lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah. I will say there there is a, a very brief shot of what I think is a chainsaw in this trailer, which reminds me of Mandy, one of my favorite Nick Cage films. And I just wonder if this is a, an ongoing trend for him to be someone who, for whom something, from whom something is taken and he must take it back. Well, and in the process go from zero to a hundred in the course of the film. With chainsaws, clearly. Yeah, on the Nick Cage scale. Yeah, pig. Don't and like he says in the in the in the trailer that will be etched in into uh, his tombstone with all the other famous lines is uh, where is my pig? So yeah, look for that. He's going for it, and I, I'm I'm there for it. So no, not the bees and where is my pig? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't wait, bees. can't wait. I'm like Bart Scott. Can't wait. Best post game interview ever. By the way, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He like. Yeah, he, oh, so good. Uh, anyway, all right. I think that's that's a good note to uh, end bar talk on. George, what do you say? Absolutely. All right, we're gonna go ahead and sit down with Jessica Watkins. So here is that. Enjoy. Hey guys. Hey. Hello. What's going on? Oh, just you know, surviving the world. That's all we can ask for. Watkins, let me introduce you to everybody here. This is our uh, producer, Mary Bess. Hi, Mary. Hi. And this is Dave, the, one of the other hosts of, of Know Your Roles. Hey, Dave. I'm George. Oh, hi, George. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you as well. Thank you so much for being with us today. We're excited to yeah. talk to you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, we actually met like randomly like a month ago. I don't know if you remember, but you came in. I work at Eastwood. Oh, my God. And, okay, so that's why there's yeah. a sticker there. And I sent George a picture yes. of that. Okay, wait. Were you bartending? Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay, cool. So that I like put that together. So like, as soon as you left, George sent a text message <laughs> that was the picture of our sticker in the bathroom. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? Like, there's only <laughs> one of those in the world. And I put it there. And I was so like, and it took me a second. And he was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's Andrew's friend, too. Like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Small world. I met Savon years ago. And um, yeah, through my friends, Lulu and Evan. I don't know if you know them. Yes, okay, I so do. we have a bunch of friends in common, probably, actually, because yeah. I'm friends with yeah a lot of those people just from over the years and B-side and... Totally. Because I used Small to live world. over there. Oh, okay. There you go. It all makes sense. And it's all coming together, full circle. Where is this place at? Lower East Side. Oh, okay. Yeah, you were at 6th and B. Yeah. So you remember B-side? Oh, well, it's still there. B-side's still there, right? Yeah. Yeah, she mm -hmm. just sold it. Okay. But yeah, it's still still kicking. They're I think they're doing a really good job. The new owners, that place oh, cool. definitely. Yeah, a lot of a lot of memories there. A lot of repressed memories as well. 
<laughs> yeah, a lot of me- lot of memories I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, how uh, how's it been for you? How was your how was your weekend? Uh, it was fine. It was uneventful. Um, I wasn't feeling too great on Friday, so I just like played it like was chilling, and I made a homemade pasta sauce and watched old episodes of Real Housewives of New Jersey. And while making pasta sauce. So um, that was my that was my big event on Saturday. And then yesterday I went to a block party in Sunnyside, which was really cute. And just like walked around the neighborhood with some friends. And that was it. That sounds wonderful. It does sound wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. chill. It was chill. How about y'all? Well, I texted you yesterday after, or two days ago after, it was like, I might be a little, a smidge hungover. <laughs> I'm like, if George is already saying that preemptively. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I was like, I might be a smidge hungover on Monday. Because I went to, uh, I went to this DJ speakeasy last night. It was good. Cool. Good music. Cool. The drinks were very expensive. Mm, as... So not very, not very speakeasy like to have expensive drinks. <laughs> You're like, Shh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who are you going to tell? $19. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like $60 cocktails. That re-entry into society is uh is expensive. Yeah, yeah. It was uh reopening. Yeah, it was uh, it was a hundred dollar hundred dollar bar tab. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. New York City baby. That's right. I hope you were more than a smidge for that uh <laughs> for that amount. More than a smidge hungover. It was also hot in there, so it was like there's a lot of sweating. <laughs> So I'd probably sweat all that all that booze out. Great music though, a lot of disco, which I I'm really into now. Anyway, we could talk about this all day long, but we brought you on for a reason, Watkins. Yes. And let me start by saying this: like all of us really really enjoyed your film. Hey, thanks for watching. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Absolutely. It. So walk us walk us through. Uh, that was a joke I did earlier, and now I'm gonna do it again. Do it again. Don't stop. You're here. Please don't stop. Like walk us through from the beginning, because like I think you went out on the road. I guess. 2017 is that right no the walk started in 2014 2014 yeah um but each phase of this thing has taken like you know a year of time from like the pre-planning and then the walk itself and then like not knowing what the hell i was doing whenever i got back and then finishing the film oh then filming the stand-up special that i use in the film then finishing the film, then going through the festival process, and then this last phase, which was distribution, which uh, came together during the pandemic, luckily. Um, and now here we are. I know, right? Before we had you on, I actually read the uh, the New York Times article that mentioned you. Yeah. Specialist. What was that like? Seeing, I was like, holy shit. Yeah, that was really cool. You're talking about specialists. That's rad. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> you know, I had no idea that that was coming out, so I didn't know until the day before they needed to get proper credit for the photo. And it's like, that's me. I took that picture of me in the yellow vest and the yellow hat, uh, which I only wore that hat for like the first day because I realized how uncool it looked and uh, <laughs> and a little unnecessary. I was walking down like remote, you know, or not like I was walking down like country roads where you barely even see traffic. So I got a less, uh, I got a cooler hat along the way, but um, yeah, that was really cool just to be compared to those other comedians and the other specials that were out. Like that felt like such an honor and to see it like in print and, you know, he um, like in, he does have slight criticism of the film, which I think is totally accurate. And also like my film was, is more of a documentary with a stand-up special in it. And these other specials are a little bit more like 
a stand-up special. So um, yeah, it was really exciting. Um, that was cool. I, as George said, we all really enjoyed the film. I thought it was really interesting. And I wonder if when you were like conceptualizing, was there any moment, was there ever any thought of doing an actual like traditional stand-up special? Like, did that come out of this or this was always something that was going to be kind of separate. And then later you were like, well, I'll put more of the stand-up in here. And um, it was always, the idea was that I would walk to develop jokes along the way. And that the, the footage I was using on the road would be showing these jokes developing and, yeah, when I got back, I would film a special with the idea that, you know, you would, it, it didn't quite turn out that way in the film. Let me just preface that. But that was the original idea is that you'd see this kind of involvement of jokes and then you'd see them on stage. And I'd film a, a you know, a spiffy special to put in with this rogue footage from the road. And what ended up happening is, you know, those things didn't fit together quite um, organically. And I had stories from the road that I didn't have footage for, or not a lot of footage. So I just leaned more on the stand-up in those moments to tell the story and also the the voiceover, which wasn't always a plan in the original thoughts of the documentary, but to really get the story out there, we that had to be, you know, that's like a key to the film is the voiceover that you see so that was probably the bigger thing that was an addition to the original like pro the original idea i had cool okay and so your film specialist i i assume i mean it took so it took seven months or eight months to walk yeah it was eight months and as you see in the film i'm like on and off the road and taking side trips and wanting to quit and then getting back on the road but yeah the whole thing was was eight months and how long was post so, I mean, that, it was endless. And that's the thing about like yeah. documentary filmmaking is that it could just go on forever. And basically, okay, so when I was on the walk, I was sending footage back. I had an editor here who was helping me at the time. So she was the first editor that I, I worked with. And so they were retrieving all this footage, syncing the audio. And when I got back, they were like, all right, like, let's make a film. Tell us the story, Jessica. And I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> and also, you know, the, what, what you see in the film is real. Like when I got back to New York, it was like this, not a spoiler alert, but um, you know, I don't get famous on the walk. Uh, I do go back to working at a pizza place and you're just back in the same, in the same, this thing that you were really in visualizing and, and like, you know, the grass is always greener kind of vibe when, so I'm on the road and I'm just, romanticizing what it will be like to be back in New York. And then you get back and you're, you were just gone for eight months on this really like, I mean, just a whole other way of living was really the biggest change and seeing that there is this whole other subculture out there of people that, you know, live out of their van or live on the side of the road by choice or out of, you know, on a bicycle or whatever. And then you're back in the grind and back in the city and with a little bit of pressure of, you know, you, you're supposed to make this documentary and like say the thing that you learned. And I, I really was like, I have no idea. So what happened is I got back, we watched the footage. Um, I gave myself like a three week break. And then we watched the footage, which took a month alone just to watch that for, we were working 40 hours a week. It was 300 hours of footage. And then we watched it a second time. And then it was like a stalemate. And I was supposed to be writing this 
script and I just felt totally lost. And I, I realized now that I totally went to a de- through a depression after that and sort of just didn't know what the heck I was doing. Eventually my editor I was working with was like, I've got to like peace out on this project because we're not really getting anywhere. And that is when I knew I needed to really start focusing on the stand-up part of it. And that's also when I got some funding from an outside production company. And so that just kind of sped things up a little bit. And I wrote the stand-up special that I wanted to do. And I, and I just started planning that. And that was like a good way to just get the ball rolling on the story. And then I did another crowdfunding. So there were two crowdfundings I did for the film and brought on another editor who's Christine Simon, who's the one credited with the film. And then we worked together for a year on the project, like full time. Um, And there was a a couple other story editors brought in in the very end. So like did the actual cutting of the film was like a little over a year, but the process of getting to that point was, was yeah. I mean, years in the making. And you say in the film, like when you reach California, you know, and the, when you're editorializing, you say that like you were looking for like this moment of epiphany, you know, a finishing and it kind of didn't come and you, you were kind of processing that. But I want to know if there's anything in that post-process that you just described where you're putting the film together, where you're kind of now having maybe some of those epiphanies that you were looking for. All of them, like all of them. Yeah. It was all about, you know, now I'm like, I've totally embraced that phrase, trust in the process, like, because I needed perspective away from the walk to know what had happened. And everything that you see in the film I didn't realize I was going through it while I was going through it, but in retrospect, and when you're, you know, going through the footage and like placing this story together. Yeah. That's when things, you know, sort of come together and, you know, it's still a story, you know, there's um, there's some things like, for instance, my relationship with Alejandro, we didn't break up as soon as I got back. It was some time after that, but the, but in in making the story in the film, I realized we had like we did we did break up then. You know what I mean? So it, it's it's some of it in the film is is it actually more of a symbolic story than like what actually happened. That that being one of them. But um, like my mom's story, I feel as well. You know, I go into like a deeper relationship between her and I. Not all of that obviously happened on the walk but I use the footage and the time that we have together to try and like symbolize what that walk made me, you know, realize about that relationship. Yeah. For me, like, because we know each other, we've been friends for uh, for over a decade. My favorite thing about your film is the fact that like, it's as if I'm hanging out with you. And it's like, and it's like, and you've always been like a great hang. The other thing that I loved is like the the people that you that you meet on the road. Was there anybody that you met that that didn't wind up being in the film that you're like, just like I would have loved to have? Oh my god, there's so many people. And the thing is, is that when you, I was, you know, just getting the hang of filming after you're walking all day. It was difficult. And then not only that, but you're in this really nice person's home and they're like, have a beer. And they just want to chat with you. And I, you know, once I was faced with that, it was hard to pick up the camera and be like, and also, do you mind if I put my camera in your face? You know, I and so there were moments where I just 
chilled with the family or we do have footage, but it like just didn't fit in the story. So, um, I mean, there was this family I stayed with in Arkansas at this place called the Piney Compound. They had heard me on the radio. And so they just pulled over on the side of the road and like jokingly, they were like, we're here to pick you up and like grab my cart. And I was like, ah, they're like, sorry, we heard you. We heard you on the radio. We wanted to invite you. So they invited me to their compound where they have like several family members that live there. They like roasted a pig or something while I was there. We threw knives. Like we, uh, Levi, the son, he was like, uh, do they got John Wayne in other States? I was like, yes, they sure do. They sure do. Where the fuck am I right now? Sorry to say the F word. No, you're fine. Okay. Uh, you do a re- really good job in the film of like painting a lot of those moments as like, like you don't know whether to like be like, yay, or oh, I'm scared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah. I was just had to go off of what we do every day, you know, like whatever our um, intuition is telling us. And they ended up being really sweet. And like, I, I walked for like two days where they would come and pick me up at the end of the day and just bring me back to their piney compound. And yeah, they were just, they were just, there were so many of those. Yeah. Little moments and, and kindness of people like pulling over on the side of the road and giving me money. Or this guy gave me this handmade coffee mug. That's still like what I drink my coffee out of every morning. And I don't know who this guy is. I don't know if he, I have no idea, but it's this beautiful handmade coffee mug or like pieces of jewelry and like little trinkets that people would give me along the way. Or like, I just have a lot of little saved things. Like um, when I lost cell service, you know, someone pulling over and then like drawing me this really bad map, you know, I'm just, like, <laughs> yes, like, this is like, this is what I wanted on the walk. Just to, like follow some weird hand-drawn map through New Mexico. Um, that brings me like, I have a question if I, you're probably not going to do this again, I assume. Um, you never but, know. You never know. But uh, is there anything, is there like one main thing that you're like, that's what I would do differently? Uh, no, I mean, I would be able to pack a lot differently now. Uh, that's for sure. But no, I don't, nothing like specific like that. Um, I think I would just be, I'd be a little bit more uh, aware of how to stealth camp, like, cause I've done it so much now and I would have done it more along the way, especially at the beginning. So just like setting up your tent wherever, basically on the East half of the country, it's just, you can get to a town every day pretty much. And also obviously you're just, if you're camping somewhere, you're much more likely to be seen. So that made me feel more uncomfortable. But once I got West and you're kind of in the middle of nowhere and you can just go behind a tree and no one's going to see you in the middle of the night, I felt more comfortable then, but I think doing it, if I did it again, I think it'd be a lot more comfortable just kind of sleeping wherever. (laughs) Yeah. Save money on the front end anyways. So we're going to tell definitely like tell all our listeners to listen, to watch your film. There is, I'm going to talk about a, a person in the film that like, uh, because your face is what I was making when I was watching it. And that was a comedian that you met that did like seven years. Uh, <laughs> and you like, I see your face and just like. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. When you asked him how long it took and he said seven years. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, Dan. You, I don't remember what you said, but persistence or something. You're like, yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, Dan. So Dan was really nice guy. And he met up with me specifically there. Was supposed to be giving me like a pep talk, you know. Um, 
But Dan self-admittedly, you know, wow, he was giving me the real thing. You know, he was like, look, I, it took me seven years to do this. And I thought I would finally, after I finished it, feel like, ah, you know, like everything makes sense and it's all, you know, and that didn't happen for him. So he was like the first clue into that, what people kept kind of warning me along the way, which is that when you finish this, it's probably not going, it's not going to be an, an aha epiphany moment. And that's what happened with him. And now he has like a wife and a new baby and opened up a brewery and stopped doing comedy. So that's probably another reason why he's happy. And, um, <laughs> and so he's like, so happy now. It's really good to see him. He was a little, he was a little upset about his, uh, portrayal in the film I was like Dan that was you I recorded you and also like you're a comedian come on it's funny and I thought it wasn't a, a big deal but then you know when you go through the distribution process you have to get everything approved and so I had to get this insurance and the one th the only person in the whole film that the lawyer was like specifically said do you have a signature from this person was dan and i was like oh i guess it isn't like is it that bad <laughs> that she's the, that's the only person in the whole film you wanted to make sure i had permission for <laughs> wow it's something i noticed for sure because i was like this guy is talking way too much <laughs> sorry dan i love you dan um, yeah because he because he was also walking across america like doing stand-up but he was filming it with like these tiny little tapes and um you know he started i don't know like i guess in the late 90s or early 2000s wow. or something dedication you gotta dedication. you gotta respect that <laughs> i guess uh, another aspect of the film that i really thoroughly enjoyed and i want you to get into it because it's like this you, you have a connection to this as well is the music in the film your, your your grandpa's got music in it. There's a song by Bramble, is that right? Sia. So yeah. So when we get into the music, so, because that, I I love that too. Yeah. Honestly, Bramble was one of the biggest inspirations for me doing the walk. When I first moved to New York, I went to Sundance because that movie, I did this movie called Bad Batch, just this like stoner film that my friend Abe Schwartz made. And we went to Sundance to do like a guerrilla marketing scheme. Um, and while we were there, it was this beautiful night in Salt Lake or ta where, where is it? Salt Lake city and wherever Sundance is. And, um, it was snowing and there's like lights twinkling and there's this band playing with like a washboard and a banjo and they were really captivated me. And they had just this, you know, CD that I gave them some money and got a CD and uh, I don't need, they're not a band anymore. Um, they, I think they just made that album. I, I mean, I've been in contact with them to get permission to use their um, uh, music, but it took me a while to be able to, to figure out who they were and the whole thing. But basically I got that CD and I listened to it all the time. And I, there, they have a couple songs in the film, but all of the songs on that album really inspired this whole, I, the whole time I was envisioning what the walk would be, that was like one of the the catalysts was was their music. So I used both in both the crowdfundings that I did. Their music is used, and it's used in the film. And also, I put out a blast to any friends who are musicians. So there's a few different friends that are in there. Um, a couple from Staten Island. There's Phoebe Blue, which I love her. She I use a song of hers towards the end. And then there's a group called The Seconds. That's also from Staten Island, and I use their music when I'm jumping out of the airplane. 
um, which is like one of my favorite moments in the film. And then the other music, uh, okay, so the the opening music and that kind of like uh, mm-hmm. wah, wah, music mm-hmm. that you hear all throughout, that's my buddy in Nashville. So I had a song that I kept listening to while I was walking, which was a song my grandfather used to sing to me. Um, and it's uh, it's like, all along the water tank, waiting for a train. A thousand miles away from home, sleeping in the rain. It's mm-hmm. like a Jimmy Rogers song or something. Can't use that. I couldn't get any um, licensing for some of the older songs I wanted to use because it was just way too expensive. So I sent that to him as inspiration. And that's how he made the music that you hear all through the film. And then everything else we got from Free Music Archive, which was amazing and everyone that I met through there was just um, like totally open to using their music. Oh, and Philip Roebuck, who I use like three of his songs. We went to acting school together and he's a one man band. So he's everything you hear is just him. So when I meet that guy, Jesse in Texas, there's this really beautiful music playing whenever I meet him. That's like whimsical. That's Philip Roebuck. Um, and he's yeah an old friend from college. So there's a lot of a lot of friends, and then and then free music archive. And uh, okay, and one other um, artist who the executive producer of the film, um, he made another documentary that is about her, and her name is Anna Eggy, and that was one of the um, the higher dollar songs we used in the film, and I was really happy that she like let us use that. It's in one of the uh, walking montages mm-hmm. toward the beginning. Awesome. So yeah, a lot of friends. I mean, that's how a film gets made when you don't have a lot of money, right? Yeah, it takes a freaking yeah. village. Well, so you you studied acting in LA, is that correct? Can you take yeah. us like from then to the journey through the film? Like how did you, were you like getting part-time roles and, and doing that and then you were started stand-up or how, how did, and then you were like, let me walk across America. How did that like, how did that happen? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was pretty much like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> except for like pizza waitressing a lot in the middle there. Yeah, well. Uh, no, so I moved to LA when I was 18 and went to acting school at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And um, thank you, thank you. And <laughs> that, which is how I met the executive producer of the film, Jesse Lida. So trust in the process, okay? Um, so acting school, started doing sketch and improv, hated being on stage with other people. So um, started doing standup and then I moved to New York and that's when I met George. This was like over a decade ago. And I was five years into doing standup in New York. I mean, I was just, yeah, trying to work on being funnier and I was waiting tables. And that was one of the reasons why I decided to do the walk because I crowdfunding had just started or just got on my radar. So it was like, okay, you can self-fund something. And I wanted to, I don't know, just the grind of New York. I kind of wanted to get out and walking to me felt like really cathartic and meditative. And um, I don't know, the, the walking idea just kept being there. And then I didn't want to leave stand-up. I mean, at the thought of, I was researching people that had and started reading books about, you know, the Appalachian Trail and these different trails. And I was like, this, I can't, I'm just going to be leaving stand-up. So that's where the cross-country tour walking idea kind of all came together and then to get 
people to give money, it seemed only natural that I would want to show them something for this money that they're giving for the walk. So that's when the idea of a film came up. So I had never made a film though. I'd been in them before. And luckily Lorena, the first editor I worked with, she just like, she's a good friend of my ex-boyfriend Alejandro and just like took me under her wing, taught me all the things I was going to need to know, um, you know, helped me decide on getting a camera, which I got sponsorship from the black magic camera company taught me about filmmaking, introduced me to people. She made this epic little book that just had all the camera settings and ideas for shooting and reminders of like what we wanted to capture. And, um, just like a little book that I could just look at occasionally to, to, cause I never filmed anything before. So this was all new. I never hiked before. I never filmed it before. Um, I never camped really. So <laughs> Was there anyone like in your life that really tried to talk you out of it? No, that's worrisome, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's just like you talk to a lot of people on the road and like you tell them what they're doing. And like most of them are like, they give you a look and they're like, be careful. <laughs> no, my parents were not into the idea. It wasn't like this. I mentioned it and they were like, yeah, sounds great. They were definitely not into the idea. Uh, my mom had a total breakdown when she saw a book that I bought that was called How to Die in the Wild, which was, it's teaching you how not to die by how you could die. Uh, but, <laughs> but at some point, some point it switched where they knew that I was serious about it. And they realized that if I, that at that point they just wanted to help me do this safely. So they, there was like a sweet moment that I remember the, just kind of like a shift happening. Like my dad was, gave me this little like sharpening thing for a knife and was like showing me how to sharpen my knife. And my mom's like, here, I'm going to give you some, you know, hydrocodone to have in case you get hurt. Uh, here's an EpiPen or whatever, you know? And so they were all of a sudden starting to kind of, you know, my, my meemaw gave me a, a, a tiny little Bible that had hundred dollar bills stuck in it. I was like, heck yeah. Like people just kept started giving me these little things. Um, and that was just their nod of saying, we, we, we support you and we want to help you. And then once it was kind of rolling, you know, there was obviously they were very worried, but it was a little exciting. You know, I would send postcards home to my grandparents and to my parents and they were following along the way. And, then now, you know, especially with it all finished, uh, um, they feel like so proud. So that's great. Yeah. The, the segment with your mom is, is really <laughs> tremendous. Like it, it, there's, there's just so much going on. Like it, it's really, it really works well. That's my mom <laughs> who I am. No, you do a really good job of showing like the places in between towns. It's like for a lot of folks who have never been, have never seen America. It's like America are places where there's like time has stood still. Like it has not like progressed at all. Yeah. And one of the places that you went to is a place called Pie Town. Would you tell our listeners about yes. that place that you went to? Because that that yes. that seemed like a bizarre part of America. That's very America. Yeah. Pie Town. Um, I'm still really good friends with Kathy, who makes or did make the pies in Pie Town, and people had told Dan had mentioned Pie Town. Actually, a couple different people had mentioned Pie Town once I got moving. Something about the location of it, because where I, and it's just in the southwest corner of the states where I guess there's a couple different places that intersect and then the continental divide goes through there. So there's just a lot of cross like people going through, but there's nothing around there. 
So Python, it becomes a really, I think, important part in the film. And it, it really was an important, hugely important part in the walk because I get to this, you know, random place where the, the literally the only thing there is this pie shop. And it's, yeah, it's like you're tripping on something. I mean, it's like so whimsical and cute, but like in the middle of like a ghost town, you know, I think the population's like 70 people or something. And um, so I introduced myself to the people at at the pie shop and the next day was going to be Thanksgiving. And they tell me about the toaster house, which is this big cabin with toasters hanging all over it. And it says no on the door. It says no one lives here. Make yourselves at home. And normally there's hikers and bikers there, but because it was Thanksgiving, I guess I was the only person there. So I was only going to stay for one day, but it ended up being like three days that I stayed and they gave me a bunch of pie to hold me over, uh, which was so delicious. Well, there was a, actually there's a fridge on the back porch that has beer and frozen pizzas in it. And then you just leave a donation, which was epic. So I was like in a dream state, there's no, uh, internet. So all I had were these old cassette tapes and there, but there were speakers all around the house. So it was just like throwing cassette tapes in, jamming out, drinking a beer, like having a frozen pizza in the middle of pie town, New Mexico, like whatever this place is. I mean, it was just, it was, it's like a magical, weird, like mirage in the middle of of nowhere then. And it, um, yeah, it's where I write my, my little country song that I, (laughs) that I use in the film. And it did feel a little bit like I was losing my mind there, but (laughs) like in the best way, you know, in the best way, like coming into, and I think it really had to do also with like truly being off the grid from, from the internet and from any, you know, I didn't have phone service through a lot of that area. So I think that definitely like added to the, to, to the, like, real feeling of, you know, just being on an epic adventure. So now the film is out, uh, tell us where we can see it. And then like, what's, what's next for you as far as like, goes. as far as what you're going to do, like, I I guess, what are you, what are you doing now? Yeah. So the film is out. Um, it's on a bunch of places, digital, all the places you can buy a film. So iTunes, Amazon, it's also on Vudu, um, Xbox, I uh, feel like I'm leaving out some things, but if you just go to specialistdoc.com or my website, jessicawatkins.com, there's links there. Uh, it's also on cable on demand. So any cable on demand, you could like search for it. Um, Jessica Watkins, special-ish. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what am I up to next? Uh, you know, the walk has taught me to trust in the unknown. Sorry, that's the line I've been giving. Um <clears throat> I definitely am, I have not really been back on stage and I'm really wanting to. So that's definitely the next step. And I feel like for the first time since the last few years of working on this project, I'm starting to see and think about whatever I want my next uh, project to be. And so I'm just getting exciting thinking about the stand-up portion of that. I'm really loving stand-up and adventure and documentary filmmaking and like combining those. So I'm rolling, still rolling with that idea basically. And right now it's still a little bit of a push for the film. It's, it's going to be going to streaming sites in a few months. So that'll be like another little push that we'll be doing. And I'm just really excited for people to see the film and get to know me. And um, I definitely want to do a a road tour, not on foot uh, in a car where I go back through some of the main places I went through, including Pie Town, which I think would be really fun. Yeah. Get yourself a nice car, like treat yourself like really well like, like <laughs> I will I will, I will treat myself 
All right, George, uh, it's time for the game. Let's do it. So, All right. Watkins. Tell me. On the Know Your Rules podcast, what we do is we take two things that seemingly have nothing in common and we try to make a connection to them. Okay. For your episode, you being from the great state of Tennessee <laughs> and the great city of Nashville, we're going to talk about country singers yes. and pizza toppings. Love it. <laughs> Those are my two expertise. <laughs> I figured you would have at the time with it. Throw wheat strains in there and it's a full future episode, well, maybe. When you when you go through America again, well, that would be the episode two with Watkins. Okay, cool. Um, uh, I go first and we'll have you go last and we'll go second, and we should get five. And uh my first country music singer is uh oddly enough, um the 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 country music artist I've actually heard the most. Not really by choice, but I did go to college in Tennessee. A lot of my friends are fans of this artist. And I've heard the song Family Tradition by Hank Williams Jr. probably more times than I've heard any other song ever. It's something that we played at parties. We'd all get drunk and then throw beers in the air. And like, uh, and everybody would scream, uh, I have loved some ladies and I have loved Jim Beam. So I've heard Family Tradition, Hank Williams Jr. the most. But he's not my favorite country music singer, which is why I'm going to compare him to one of my second favorite toppings which is sweet sausage so hank williams <laughs> jr is a sweet sausage not Got my it. favorite but the one i probably had the most dave awesome all right my first one uh i picked an artist who has done a lot of solo stuff but has also worked with everyone that's uh emmy lou harris and emmy lou harris sounds good with everyone she sounds great on her own she has like a wonderful twang to her voice. Uh, she's been around forever. That's why as a pizza topping, she's green olives. You just need a little bit oh. of acid. <laughs> I like green olives though. And I think they go with anything on a pizza. You could put them with, with cured meat. You can. You put are them... literally the only one. <laughs> that... <laughs> well, I hope I'm not the only one who likes Emmy Lou Harris, but. Uh... <laughs> oh, she's going to get mentioned, but I, 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 I'm i going to talk about it later. Go ahead. <laughs> Okay, uh, I will say I did not understand this game correctly because I thought you were going to tell me the artist and I was going to name the pizza topping. But I think I've got enough on deck. Perfect. We'll see how this goes. I'm going to talk about Shania Twain, who was my um, second concert I ever went to. And, uh, you know, Shania Twain, she's like a jalapeno, you know, <laughs> a little jalapeno on there. You know, she's fun. She's fun. I don't know where she went, but um, I liked, I liked, you know, she's, I love those strong women ballads. So um, that's uh, Shania Twain's jalapeno pizza topping. Nice. Also, my dad's named after Hank Williams. Bocephus? Your dad's name is Bocephus? Not Junior. He's named after <laughs> Hank Williams, Senior. All right. So on to my next one. So I, as a lot of the listeners know, and how Mary Beth and Dave know, I went to the University of Memphis, and I believe you knew that as well, Watkins. And staying down the hall from me, uh, my freshman year of college was a guy by the name of Jason Isbell. And I remember him practicing guitar up the hall. And was like, hopefully that guitar thing works out for that guy. He's really good. And then a few years later, I saw him on stage at Newbies, the college bar that nobody ever graduates from. I was like, hey, look, it looks like that guitar thing is working out for that guy. Hopefully he goes even further. And then a couple of few years later, he's playing at Prospect Park headlining. I was like, well, it looks like that guitar thing kind of worked out for him. So... Shout out to my uh, my old uh, Richardson Towers, <laughs> I guess, guy who lived on the floor, Jason Isbell. And seeing that, we went to the University of Memphis. And uh, the one thing that people know Memphis for is uh, barbecue. So Jason Isbell is the barbecue pork of pizza <laughs> toppings. 
If you never had barbecue pork on a pizza, it's fucking delicious. That sounds great. Yeah. Dave. All right. So my next one is the one that I kind of like don't fuck with. <laughs> and, and, and like, it's just not for me. And that's Billy Ray Cyrus. That was going to be my next one. Right. We can, <laughs> you, can, you can double up. There's going to be a lot of cross. All right. Levels. All right. Like if achy breaky heart comes on, like I'll run away or act like a five-year-old and like do this and be like, ah, cause I, I just hurts my brain and ears. <laughs> and that's why as a pizza topping, well-documented on this show that I don't fuck with this either. And that's broccoli. And if you put broccoli on a pizza, mm. get that shit away from me. <laughs> but to take it one step further, I do fuck with broccoli Rob and Wrecking Ball, that's a really good song. So like Miley Cyrus, their their offspring, I'm okay with. But Billy Ray Cyrus and Broccoli, get that out of here. Okay, well, I'm Billy Ray Cyrusing as well. And that's because he was my first concert I ever went to. I did throw my training brawl on the stage. And uh, he had that song, Some Gave All. Some gave all. And I like cried. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was into it. Um, so Billy Ray Cyrus, I'm just going to say, I don't know about pizza topping, but he's definitely like a frozen 99 cent pizza with a side of ranch dressing, you know? Yeah. Maybe just a mayo. Yeah. Just a mayo. You're just dipping in mayo. No, not even ranch. I'm not giving him that. Just a, just a frozen 99 cent pizza. And the topping is mayo. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Cyrus. George. All right. So I, I talk a great deal about the college that I went to and the state that I lived in a good bit of my life in the state of Tennessee and the University of Memphis. <laughs> but oddly enough, I am from Woodbridge, Virginia. Now, had I had my high school not have been built, I would have gone to one of two high schools. That would have been Osborne Park. Their famous alumni is David Robinson. Shout out to Osborne Park or Garfield High School. And their famous alumni is the uh, already mentioned Emma Lou Harris, who is from my hometown of Woodbridge, Virginia. Now, the cool thing about Emma Lou is like, uh, not only is the solo work awesome, but whenever she guests on something, she's incredible. Whether it's Ryan Adams, whether it's Elvis Costello, whether it's Evangeline by the band, she's becomes a, a like a, an essential part of that that dish and of that that song, which is why I think she's the hot honey. A pizza Ooh, topping. Yeah. Because once you add it on there, it becomes instantly better. So I gotta say, she's way more hot honey than green olive. I mean, yeah, yeah. Let's... Hot honey. nobody else on this call, but a lot of people actually like green olives. I didn't say I, I didn't say black <laughs> olives. Like if I said black olives, then yeah, you could give me all the shit. <laughs> Shout out to the valedictorian of Garfield High School, Woodbridge, Virginia, Emily Harris. <laughs> Dave. So my next one is an artist that is kind of like new school country and he kind of crosses over into rock and blues and folk. Um, but I really love him. And that's Sturgill Simpson. It's also like a NPR darling. I feel like um, he's also do. And like he, again, that fits to how he like a lot of different kinds of people like him. He has done a lot of different, he's doing some acting now. He did a cover of Nirvana's in bloom. That is fucking incredible that's why as a pizza topping he's a poached egg sounds crazy but it's really good <laughs> and it adds just a little bit of richness which is just like his voice rich and nice you have the strangest pizza sorry cut off your hey i mean <laughs> by all means if you feel free to judge me that's fine but uh like i said my egg my poached egg people they know they know what's up <laughs> 
you've definitely never gotten pizza in the South. Uh, <laughs> well, that's true. Not a, <laughs> they're like, you want pepperoni or plain? That's all we got. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, I will uh, go with my go-to karaoke, uh, Loretta Lynn. And she is, uh, I love her song Fist City, where it's about she's going to beat up someone for looking at her man. Uh, love any country song about beating up people, which is um, a lot of her songs, actually. And um, I don't know. She's a classic, you know, she's a classic. So I guess. Uh, but, you know, she's she's but yeah, she's classic. But, you know, everybody they didn't know what to think of her. Right. When she was first coming out, they were like, I don't know. Uh, so I think she's the pineapple. She's the pineapple pizza. Some people, you know, some people like her, some people don't, but she's here to stay. Okay. And, and, uh, she's, re and she's refreshing. <clears throat> okay. That's Loretta Lynn. <laughs> nice. Are, are you pro pineapple on pizza? I like, yeah, I like pineapple on pizza. Just not a uh, poached egg. <laughs> <laughs> well, those two things together, I definitely don't want. <laughs> I'm going out of order here. You mentioned Loretta Lynn. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to mention Loretta Lynn. That was going to be my last one, but I'll save it for number four because Loretta Lynn is great. But I'm going to go even further than songs. Uh, she's like this feminist icon. So songs mm. like The Pill, Rated X. Mm, yeah, I love yeah. this city, but my personal favorite is the Don't Come Home a Drinking with Love It On Your Mind. Mm. That's a fucking jam. Yeah. So she's like, when I think of Loretta Lynn, like the piece of talk that I'm going to compare her to, it's like, I, I mean, I, I love Coal Miner's Daughter and, and the movie's great, blah, 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 but like, I like all of the the the, the extra tunes, the songs yeah. that, were, that were banned yeah. by country music. Yeah. So I'm gonna give her jalapenos. Oh, okay. Like, hey, that's a spicy topping. Yeah, yeah, Loretta you're Lynn, right. 86 years young now. Honestly, Loretta Lynn's much more jalapeno than Shania Twain, and <laughs> you called you called that. And Shania Twain's from Canada, so I think she gets the pineapple Canadian bacon <laughs> topping. I switch it up. That's what it is. Perfect. I'm gonna go on with you on that pineapple Loretta Lynn. Works. Jalapeno. Whatever. Yeah. For Loretta Lynn. <laughs> yeah. Spicy. Oh, a very sneaky good Loretta Lynn record. Van Lear Rose from like 15 years ago. Oh, so good. All right. Portland, Oregon. Awesome song. Dave. All right. I'm up next. My my last one was kind of like the new school artist that I like. And this one, I'm going with an old school artist. And that's Waylon Jennings. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, a lot of people associate like the dark side of country with like Johnny Cash and stuff like that. But like. Waylon for me, I like he fits right in that pocket. He has songs that are like sweet and songs that are rough or spicy, if you will. Um, <laughs> or racist, <laughs> some people might say. Uh -huh. Yeah, well, there's a lot of problematic in in a lot of this in a lot of this shit. But uh, you know, as a like a New York or as a Chicago slash New York City Jew, <laughs> I just kind of like let me. I'm just gonna try to enjoy this without thinking about it. Um, but. Uh, uh, yeah, but he's got like his voice is super honey, but there's also like a lot of cigarette smoke in there, mm -hmm. um, which is why. And I wanted to give him like an old school Italian ingredient, which is why he is so prosada, hot or <laughs> or sweet. So prosada. I personally like the spicy better. But. <laughs> I like that. Oh, I forgot. I had someone. He was good. Oh, George Jones, who my grandfather wrote a song for. And um George Jones, he's just a old old guy, just an old <laughs> white guy. So 
I'm going with he, his his topping is actually just no tomato sauce. He's just like just just he just just taking things off the pizza. Uh, he basically just wants a breadstick. Okay, George Jones is the breadstick of country music. Perfect. <laughs> All right, for my final one, I usually try to sort of like say something interesting, but this is actually one of my least interesting final ones because it just happens to be my favorite. I've seen this artist three times in concert, and that is Willie Nelson. You guys want to yes. listen to like an amazing Willie Nelson song? Check out his Rainbow Connection cover. It's unbelievable. Anyway, and I'm friends with his granddaughter Raylan Nelson, who also has a podcast uh, about music and comedy. Oh, what's it called? Funny. Oh God, come, come on, come back to this. Come back to this. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll look it up. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I think my favorite Willie Nelson song is uh, "Whiskey River," and I think the reason why is because one mm. of the times I saw him. He opened and closed with Whiskey River. It was like, it was basically, it was like, one more time, Whiskey River, which made some, I think some substances were involved. It was like, he may have forgotten that he had played it earlier in the evening, but I just love the fact that like somebody opened and closed with the same fucking tune. Anyway, seeing that Willie Nelson. Music is funny is the name of Music is funny. You couldn't remember that? Yeah. I know. That's why I was like, funny is music. (laughs) Anyway, so seeing that Willie Nelson is my favorite country singer. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to call him my favorite pizza topping. And that's just good old fashioned pepperoni. So yeah. Willie Nelson is a pepperoni of pizza toppings. I agree with that. I concur. Okay. I'm with that. All those things. Great. When high as fuck, just like <laughs> Willie would want us to be. Exactly. All right. So my last one is someone that is, I think underrated, not as popular as some of her contemporaries, and uh, she like her she her solo career started and was kind of like unheralded and it took her a while to she then became like more of a session musician and like worked with other people. And mm-hmm. that is Lucinda Williams. I think she's incredible. Those first couple albums that didn't sell that much are really fucking good. And um, and then she didn't. Uh, and I think she's like, like I said, I think she's as good as any of the people that are like up at the upper echelon. Um, her the she she cut it took her a long time to like cut in between albums and the wikipedia page is like she's known for working slow <laughs> that's what mine's going to say <laughs> <laughs> which which like yeah that's what yeah that's I love that <laughs> I love that um but that is why as a pizza topping she is something that is it's not prosciutto it's not pepperoni not a not sausage, but it is just as good as any one of those things. And it's speck, Italian cured ham, lightly smoked, which also takes months to age. Work slow. That is why Lucinda Williams is the speck of country singers. <laughs> well, uh, gonna have to round it out here with uh, Dolly Parton. All right, I mean Queen Legend. Woo-hoo! Let's go ahead. We love the Dolly. <laughs> We love Dolly. We love love Dolly. what she's doing these days. Love that she, um, that Nashville wanted to put a bust of her at the Capitol. And she was like, mm, how about you guys fix your racial injustice <laughs> shit going on? And we put up a bust of me some other time. I love, yeah, she's got a lot of cool. She's still, she's made so much music, so many songs. So I think Dolly Parton's the everything of pizza toppings. She's just everything, you know, she's just anything you could ever want. That's Dolly. She's just been here through it all. And um, I hope she lives forever. The kitchen sink, if you will. Yeah, she's the kitchen sink of pizza toppings. Awesome. Legends. Watkins, that was fantastic. 
Thank you. Thank you. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I didn't even think I knew country music until, cause my parents didn't listen to it, but my, you know, I played with my grandfather old stuff, but then when I moved away, I, every time a country music song would come on, I'd know every freaking lyric. And I was like, how did this happen? It's just like embedded in you when you grew up in Nashville, just cause like every drugstore and every, you know, uh, grocery store, wherever you're at, there's just country music playing all mm-hmm. the time. It's just osmosis. I actually, I'd say everybody we've mentioned, I'm actually like a, a fan of. So like, a, like even the same way it was like, I'm from a DC suburb. So there's like genres of music that I just love, but I, I've fully embraced like country, like living in Tennessee. Like I love Garth Brooks and it wasn't <laughs> even by a choice. It just happened to happen that way. I was like, oh my gosh, it's like this Garth Brooks guy, he, he might be onto something. Yeah. <laughs> Country music gives me some feels. It gives me feelings. Yeah. So like when I listen to it, like, oh, I go, I definitely, it's like a drunk music choice. Like if I wake up the next morning and the, the last thing I played on my podcast was a, you know, a freaking, uh, like who the heck am I? Johnny Cash song mm-hmm. or something. I'm like, all right, you drank too much whiskey last <laughs> night. And yeah. this was getting, uh, I think I was singing, uh, I could, I do love like to sing karaoke sometimes at the house. Uh, the other night I was singing that, uh, sometimes it's hard. Wait, stand by your man. That's a good one. Tammy Wynette. Oh. We'll have to do those parts too. We'll, we'll do songs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once George and I were talking about this the other day, uh, Jessica Watkins, I will call you Jessica Watkins because I know you go by both independently. Yes. So I'm just going to call you everything. Um, we were talking about the Dolly Parton cover band. What what are they called, George? Doll parts. Doll parts. <laughs> I'm saying like once once things are a little more a little more solid with this, you know, Delta variant in the air, you know. Yeah. Should go like see see doll parts and and give give respect to to Dolly for the goddess she is. You guys, I'm really thinking of, I'm thinking about starting a country band. Yeah. Go for it. I swear, I swear, I'm thinking about it. Do it. Could be fun. Could be fun. Incredible. Do some covers. George is in. George, you in? I'd go see you All play. Right. <laughs> yeah, you've got you've got at least three people in the audience right here. Exactly. Yes. So Watkins, it's like uh it's like before we decide to turn this off and just maybe keep talking or whatever, plug something for us for yeah. our listeners. Um, tell us where we can find your movie again, specialists. And whatever shows you got coming yeah. up. Yeah. So um, the film is special-ish, and it's out all places digital. So you can find it on Amazon, iTunes, cable on demand. It's streaming on Vimeo, Vudu, and Xbox, and a couple other places out there. You can check out my website, which is jessicawatkinscomedy.com, or find me on any social media, a Jessica Watkins. Uh, or, you know, just look up the New York Times. You might find me there. Uh, so uh, as for shows coming up, just follow me on social media. I post everything there. And uh, please just go and watch the film and leave a review if you do. That's great. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Uh, Mary Best wants to talk about one of your jokes, which I found would be pretty amazing. <laughs> I uh, I mentioned to the fellas earlier before we we had you in the room. Um, I I'm from Mississippi, so you've got you've got a lot of Southerners on this call. Um, and 
but born in Memphis, Tennessee. So we're all, we're all here. It's all happening. Um, (laughs) but I, I just wanted to give you, give you some props because it was probably one of the best jokes I've ever heard, uh, talking about how, you know, strict conservatives who are anti-abortion might respond better if we called it a deportion. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This, this baby entered my body illegally. Uh, And I swear to God, it was one of the funniest jokes I have ever heard. And I just wanted to tell you that. uh, that Thank you. I had to. I I will say that I think people laugh, like, I really do think it made, you know, like I was telling that joke in some like middle of nowhere places and people were laughing at it. I mean, I was very surprised every time that I didn't get like murdered after the show. So, (laughs) Well, like just, I mean, you know, you show, you talked about it and you showed in the film of like the moments where you, where you were nerd, you didn't know which way it was going to go like offstage, but yeah, like some of those rooms, I mean, George and I were like, some of the jokes you were telling in some of those rooms, like, did you feel like, were there ever like some some moments where you're like, oh, I got to get the fuck out of here? Just going for it. Um, yeah. I mean, there was definitely in the back of my mind, like if anyone wants to know where I'm at, it's not hard for them to like I can only walk yeah. so far tonight, you know, yeah. like they're going to find me. But uh, I think that people were just because of what I was doing, they felt like I was being vulnerable and it made them be vulnerable. And for some reason that kept me safe, I guess. Tremendous. <laughs> yes yeah, well we appreciate you yeah thanks and for we having appreciate me. the walk and thank you for sharing your film with us You're thank so you for welcome. sharing your time with yeah. us we're we're excited to see what you do next thanks yeah congratulations on finishing it thank and you good luck with with uh with everything yeah in, in uh, distribution yeah thank you i'll come visit you well if you ever find yourself in brooklyn we all live kind of close to, uh, to each other so you have to come oh. and hang out with us or george we should go to eastwood we should grab a drink at Eastwood. It's good. Oh, yes. I was like, I thought you said Eastville. I was like, I'm not fucking going in there. No, Eastwood. <laughs> That's the reason I made that face. I was like, yeah, sure. What the fuck? Okay. I was like, is George not allowed there? <laughs> that- I promise to do no stand-up comedy, George. Yeah, okay, perfect. Don't, don't worry about that. Perfect. Um, cool. Well, y'all take care. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hopefully I'll see you all around on the scene. Absolutely. I'll be out and about. Later. Totally. You Thank you so much. Later. All right. All right. That was great. Again, we want to thank Jessica Watkins. Definitely check out her website, jessicawatkinscomedy.com. And you can check out her documentary specialish on iTunes, Amazon, Vimeo, Voodoo, and Xbox. And you just go to her website and it has all the information and links to all that. Definitely check it out. It's, it's, uh, I think I speak for all of us when I say it's really interesting way to do a kind of a comedy special, but really make it more than that. And it's a very interesting, well done documentary. I highly recommend it. All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this show with Last Call, where we talk about what we're looking forward to and things that are on the horizon. George, what do you, uh, what do you got coming up? What are you looking at? Really, just basically two things, Dave, is like, it is July, which means like, this is the month that I start to really, really start getting into baseball. So it's August for me. It's, it's, it's I, August like, for you. It's like, yeah. it's like mid July, late July. I'm like, all right, baseball, yeah. let's see what you got. Yeah. So I'm going to be trying to check out some minor league baseball. Anybody who knows me, I love minor league baseball because I love the fact that it's like cheap drinks and f- like cheap food and it's a decent 
hang. So can be checking out that. And of course, I mentioned it on the, the last episode of the White Lotus. Episode three is this Sunday. I have been thoroughly enjoying that. Shout out to Mike White. Dave, what are you looking forward to? I'm also thoroughly enjoying White Lotus. Um, so yeah, thank you, George, to uh, bringing that to uh, mine and our listeners' attention a couple weeks ago. Just a couple of real quick things. One, uh, an artist that I like, and George, I know you you uh, really enjoy as well, is Vince Staples has a new album. Sure does. Yeah, it's uh, 22 minutes, by the way. Which I was like, that's right. Uh, that's in George's. Uh, Absolutely. Right in the pocket. Yeah. Yeah. 22 minutes. That's kind of incredible. Uh, so I'm looking, it's self-titled Vince Staples. Um, I always, I, I like him a lot. So I'm looking forward to getting into that. Also, I just found out that I have Apple TV plus for like another month or some shit. Like I didn't know I had it. Uh, and I was always like, I'm not going to get it because there's only one show I want to watch on it. But now that I know I have it, I'm going to do that. I'm going to watch that one show. And that's Ted Lasso, which everybody's been telling me about for you know, the last, I have years. it too. So I'm like, I need to watch that as well. A couple so. years. So yeah, Ted Lasso. Um, what I hear is good. Yeah. Everything every- else on that, on that channel is not, Oh, well for all mankind, I hear is awesome. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm not interested in, like, I don't think I'm going to renew it. I just want to watch Ted Lasso and then, you know, be done with it. Um, yeah. Uh, the only other thing really quickly, I very little short, uh, self-promotion here. Um, my short film, on the way north was uh, selected for a daily short pick on the curated website filmshortage.com. And if what, uh, yeah, um, you should leave with this. No, I no. <laughs> um, uh, duh, yeah, actually, just, yes, it's just <laughs> an aside, but we'll we'll put it in the episode notes for anyone who who uh wants to check that out. Uh, a lot of people listening to this have pro- who are listening to this because they know me. Um, have already seen it or, or they worked on it. And I just want to give a quick shout out to everybody who was part of it. Even people that came to the bar, the fundraiser that I had and gave money to it. Uh, it's really nice to have like a home for it. Film shortage is a pretty cool site. It, they got a lot of good stuff on it. Uh, so yeah, check that out if you're interested or don't. And uh, I probably won't ever talk about it again. I'll sure. talk about it. David, like uh, a proud dad. <laughs> well, thank you very much, George. That's very kind. All right. We're going to go and check in with our favorite regular and the person that makes this show go, producer Mary Bess for MB's booth. Mary Bess. Thanks, Dave. Uh, so I realized that this segment can get a little bit heavy. So I'm going to start doing something new where I'm offering good news and bad news. So. Good news this week, guys. As of July 21st, a federal judge in Arkansas has temporarily blocked an Arkansas law that would have banned physicians in the state from providing transition-related health care, such as hormones and puberty blockers, to transgender minors. And for those who don't know, I just want to point out, hormone and puberty blockers are not permanent. Great. So that, you know, rebuffs uh, a lot of the... uh, a lot of the arguments that people are making about um, transaffirmative health care for young people. It's important. Although this case will now go to trial where Arkansas Attorney General uh, Rutledge says she plans to defend the law, the ACLU is celebrating this temporary injunction as a win. And so that's very exciting news for people in Arkansas, specifically the trans community in Arkansas. And just want to remind everyone that the Arkansas governor actually vetoed this law initially, but lawmakers overrode it. So that is some good news. 
Um, unfortunately, I do have a little bit of bad news today. For those who don't know, Texas's Republican-controlled state Senate has passed a bill that would undermine the ability of teachers to offer substantive and accurate lessons about the nation's past, eliminating requirements that students read a number of key writings on women's suffrage, the civil rights movement. Uh, for example, Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech along with the work of figures like Susan B. Anthony and Cesar Chavez, would be removed as required content for courses. This bill would also eliminate a requirement that students learn about the history of white supremacy and why it's morally wrong. Wow. Uh, and... This isn't just in Texas. Unfortunately, in Tennessee, a bill recently passed by the House would ensure that teachers could not work with students on any material that makes them, quote, feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or another form of psychological distress solely because of the individual's race or sex, which on its face sounds like a nice way to, you know, protect students' feelings. Um, however, in this case, it's an unfortunate weapon of utilizing human kindness to essentially make white people not feel bad about the history of racism in the U.S. Uh, the much of the debate is framed as being about critical race theory, a term that is politically useful since most Americans don't know what it means. It's really about teaching the history of race relations and civil rights. And the point of this strand of historical research is not that every American is racist. The argument has been and continues to be that even if individual Americans don't act with racist intention, we all live in systems that produce terrible inequality and violence from redlining to different sentencing practices for legal infractions like possession of marijuana to Jim Crow voting laws, laws against interracial marriage, not to mention countless forced relocations and humanitarian infractions upon indigenous populations. All of this to say, it's as important now as it ever has been that we, and I speak for myself and for white people, that we as white people acknowledge the importance of fighting systemic racism and discussing openly and honestly the failings of this nation and what we can do to make it right. So listeners, if you're able, we encourage you to reach out to your representatives, especially if you're in states where this kind of rhetoric is moving in state legislatures. Get involved with your city council. If you're a parent, attend meetings with your school board and pursue conversations with educators in your community around race relations and lifting up the stories of people of color. Thank you very much, Mary Bess. Very well said. Absolutely. You're welcome. I, I just want to say my head is still intact. It has not exploded yet. I'm glad that it hasn't exploded. <laughs> yeah, I share a lot of that anger and frustration. I just want to also clarify too, like, just so everybody knows, like critical race theory, regard like regardless of like what you want to say and unpack that term, like it's just American history. It's it's American history. It's what we like. This country was founded on genocide, kidnapping, and the enslavement of people. And like the idea that that like doesn't influence what happens today is like a false one and a dangerous one that like exists in a lot of white people because us white people don't want to like atone. Uh, don't want to like have to think about what we would have to do to like sacrifice to make those kind of things right and and uh, to learn about that kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, that's definitely something sh people should be be paying attention to. Uh, you know, public school system as we know doesn't teach us the true American history as it is. So so for it to get more more uh, you know propaganda influenced, uh, not a good thing. So again, thank you, Mary Bess. 
Yeah, you're welcome. And I'll also throw in there too. It's like critical race theory is a collegiate level study. Um, It is not the actual critical race theory is not being taught to third graders. It's not like they're taking this, this, um, (laughs) this uh, collegiate level study and implementing it for young people. It's like you said, Dave, it's just teaching the truth. And, and it's just, it's just funny to me that a lot of these folks who stood behind facts, not feelings for a very long time and, you know, criticized others for speaking out uh, for, you know, things like LGBTQ plus rights and uh, humanitarian, like speaking out against humanitarian crises are now saying, well, we don't want our white children to feel bad. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Which is, of course, not the point, but we cannot make proper reparations and we cannot make sense of why we are where we are if we do not understand how we got here. Well said. No, Mm -hmm. let's work on that. All right. Again, thank you very much, Mary Bess. Um, and thank you for, uh, I like the good news, uh, bad news. Absolutely. Some of, that, some of that good news. All right, George, why don't you give us something to be excited about? Tell the people what we got going on on our next show. So Dave, on our next show, August 6th, we're going to be talking to an all-around great hang comedian, writer, performer, and podcast host, Ray Sane. And we're going to talk about reality TV shows and fashion accessories. Can't wait. Shout out to Bar Scott. Can't wait. All right. With that, we're going to go ahead and round out this show. I want to say thank you very much to everyone who's been listening, all of our listeners. Thank you to producer Mary Best. Thank you to George. Thank you to Amanda Zeller and Alan Kid, Nate88, and Kazo Oslo. Please subscribe, rate, and review to Know Your Roles wherever you get your podcasts. And stay safe and stay healthy. And... As somebody who caught a bit of like a summer cold, just from just like, just just from being out and not taking care of myself, it was like, I want people to take care of yourself and please wear your fucking mask over your fucking nose. Thank you, and I'm out.